This is the podcast for November 19th, 2010. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from the top of liberal elitist Swine Mountain, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. tell our listeners how the view is from liberal elitist swine mountain do we (laughs) it's as clear and as fun and sad and predictable i I went out last night with a a, a, i believe a rising media mogul on the chicago scene and a friend of mine we talked about media we talked about a lot of stuff he's a really nice guy very smart but one of them was sort of the state of the media and that, that there's this stasis in the media where on the one side you have and i'm not i'm Trust me, I'm not going to do a false equivalence here. But on the one side, you have the crazy right, who are just stone-cold fucking crazy. And on the left, you have a media that largely says, hey, look at the crazy people. Yeah. And that's it. It, That's really it. They're locked in this sort of – like two drunks leaning against each other. And then there's people, I think, like you and me and and the people we know and respect and and who who write, who try to find a a fourth dimension, a way into that conversation that isn't so – Static and mm-hmm. so stultifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those examples, for example, was and you know, and we risk being elitist yeah. <laughs> for mixing literature and theology and history and crap like that together. And you know what? Neener, neener, neener. <laughs> we don't care because we <laughs> are right. elitist. I'm an elitist. I'm, I'm, there's a lot of stuff I'm not, but what I am is a complete fucking elitist. I believe the smartest person should do the job. Mm-hmm. Whatever that job is, whatever that person looks like, whatever that person smells like, that smartest person should do the damn job. And so we have, I believe, three items our listeners might have missed. Yeah, we do. And and actually, the first one dovetails perfectly into what you just said, which is um, Rachel Maddow gave a speech at Harvard's uh, Kennedy School of Government Institute of Politics. Uh, She Mm -hmm. won the – it's the – T.H. White Prize or the T.H. White something, and she gave it to the Iraq Veterans Association. She gave all the money to them uh, and gave a really good speech, which I just posted at the audio of at Video Cafe at Crooks and Liars. So if someone wants to look that up uh, and hear the 47 minutes, it's it's good stuff. It is. It's a wonderful speech. You pointed it out to me. Thank you for sending me the link on that. You're welcome. And but but her point was exactly what you just said. Well, she actually had two facets to that. One is the idea that this media of terrible, awful liberals say say one side, and then terrible, awful conservatives scream on the other side, and they fight against each other. That mm-hmm. that's actually good for media because ratings yes. go up when right. they do that. It, it will, uh, we should be clear. Well, let's be clear about two things. First of all, we love Rachel. We love her. Um, oh, she, oh. She's an example of one of those people that we think of as, as highly gifted, very articulate, very, very good at what she does, who made it through the filter. Yes. You know, She made it through the wire to the other side, and we have a lot of respect and admiration for that. Right. But secondly, what she referred to as, as, as good for media, she meant a good business model. Good business model for media, right. That yeah. If you're Not looking to make for, money – Right. In media, right. it's a gold mine to, to like do this kind crack. of thing. It was, yeah. It's very yeah. profitable. It's not good for you. It's not good for the no. country, but it's very good for media. For media, exactly. But and then the other part of it. Well, then it's really bad for politics. It's really bad for politics. And you, you know, said what you said about really smart people doing the job. There's two things there. There's A, really smart people. Mm-hmm. And what Rachel Maddow was saying was 
it's not about really smart people, but it's about who can shout the loudest and who can use the most exclamation points that gets the viewers. Yes. Yep. But Absolutely then there's right. the other half of it, which is do the job. Yeah, do, do the job. <laughs> and <sighs> the point that uh, she was making that this is really bad for politics and governance. This shouting at mm-hmm. each other and making it about politics being – that access to politics becomes sitting on Fox News rather right. than governing or holding a government right. job where you actually have to pass legislation, Legislate. make changes to structures, improve the environment, all of that. Right. She brought out the example that a couple of Republican operatives, including Dick Armey, have told – incoming freshman GOP congressman to avoid committee work, to avoid right. sitting on committees, to avoid right. going for those plum committee jobs that the party will offer you because yeah. somehow that's going to distract you. you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's going to corrupt yeah. you in some way. <laughs> and her point was yeah. that's kind of the job of a congressman is to write legislation, talk about you know, have hearings on legislation and problems and ideas and make mm-hmm. government do stuff. That's their job. That's the whole job. Their but job is to is the to Tea Party doesn't get that. The Tea Party well, they, they, doesn't they, they want politicians who will shout and be enraged, but they don't want people who will govern because they don't understand right. that. No, they really, and really so, they, they really don't mind, understand. They really fucking don't understand how they government don't understand works. how government works. And so they – I love this story about Tea Party patriots handing out home phone numbers of these incoming yeah. freshmen to tell yeah. them not to attend one orientation meeting but to come to their rally. Instead. Instead. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then it turns out they hadn't actually sent out an invitation to the Congress people about this event. So no one knew about it. And all of a sudden, these Congress people are getting incredibly annoying, shouting phone calls about with, – With lots of exclamation with points. With lots of exclamation points about some event that they're supposed to embrace instead of going to some and, – and you know some of these orientation things are actually lobbyist drinking you know, cocktail parties yeah. that really are, are just that. Yeah. And, and I get it that – People who really want their congressperson to govern might not want them to be accepting free drinks from lobbyists before they're inaugurated. <laughs> you know, I, however, that makes sense to me. However, watching Schoolhouse Rock is not enough. <laughs> but you, you can actually, sing the preamble to the Constitution if yes, you watch you that. And and talk about conjunction, junction. <laughs> What's your function? Right. Anyway, that's enough about that. Government is big and complicated. Is, and, boring. And, boring. and boring and boring and boring the problem yeah it, it requires a lot of reading of a lot of technical material or at least your staff reading it for mm-hmm. you preparing you executive summaries so you know what to do and how to vote and that aspect of legislation that you sort of come to understand an mm-hmm. issue you care about it passionately you run for office you go to washington you serve on a committee and you and you create legislation and then you raise revenue mm-hmm. To pay for it if it costs anything or you, you find a way to shift revenue from one place to another. And you're not you expected to know everything about everything. <clears throat> Congress people in the past 
developed mm-hmm. areas of expertise. Absolutely. Foreign and policy. Now healthcare. it just seems like there's such a dumbing down of Congress and the and the reason is so that lobbyists like Dick Army and his clients can write the legislation yeah. for you. And they do. They just and they, they do. literally write the the people who who run the industry write the law. Yeah. And we're getting so close to the Chinese wall, the paper mm-hmm. wall between a fascist form of government, which, you know, in the literal sense simply means corporations run the government. Mm-hmm. And Congress is is paper thin and it's going away. Yep. Because because that's what the Tea Party wants. Yep. They don't want their Congress people involved in all that messy legislation stuff or knowing how no, government works. That's, yeah. They want to take their government back. They want right. to take their country back. And apparently give it to Pfizer. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that seems and, to be and, it. Uh, and so Rachel Maddow's point that when Sarah Palin and Sh- and more specifically when Sharon Angle who can go on Fox and politic and fundraise and not answer questions from her constituents. Right, and assume that that's the purpose of the media. Yeah. The purpose of the media for Sharon Angle, who I don't know what you know mattress ticking is is stuffed in her head, but she <laughs> she she's a mannequin. Yeah. She's a complete, and she came within you know a hair's breadth of winning. Okay. And the idea that she'd go on TV with her big dead eyes and her big dumb smile and, and essentially tell people, no, the purpose of the media is so I can get money. Yep. And you know the idea of answering questions is such a. And I'll you know, do it after I am elected. Really. Right. And for forty-seven <laughs> percent of the voters in that was okay. In Nevada, yeah. that was okay. Yeah. And that's yeah. the truly terrifying thing, and that's the thing that that Rachel Maddow also pointed out in her lecture, if I remember it correctly, which was, <clears throat> or it might have been someone else. It was a cardinal mistake that the Obama administration made. Um, they made many mistakes, but one of the big, big, big mistakes was that they thought you you campaign and campaign, and then you start to govern. And what yeah. they refused to notice, even though every liberal on the face of the earth was screaming at them about this, they refused to acknowledge the fact that the right never stopped campaigning. And and she didn't say she didn't put it that way, but she pointed out that the twenty four hour news cycle and the media now contributes to the fact that there is a fiery campaign rhetoric three hundred and sixty five oh. days a year. Right. And right. it's never gonna and, stop. So you can't stop. stop. And <clears throat> as you and, say, you can't stop campaigning for your stuff. And the Obama administration, you know, again, the, the big, the biggest mistake they made was, you know, when Barack Obama was sworn in twice, because, you know, he had to be sworn in a second time yeah, because right. that was the first great, you know, conservative outrage. What sort of, what's going on here? Why hasn't he really been signed? He's not really the president, you know. That, right. The, the, the because the Republican appointed chief Supreme. justice of the Supreme Court made a Screwed mistake. Up. Yes, yes. Well, but that, you know, the the delegitimization of the Democratic president, whoever that president is, whether it's Clinton or Obama, whoever will be in the future, begins on election night. Yep. Yep. And and is absolutely relentless. And the idea that after eight years of George Bush, you know, fucking this country up beyond all recognition, that 10 seconds after the black guy put his hand on the Bible, these idiots would be in the streets screaming, we want to take our country back. Yeah. And that, that wouldn't be called racist on its face. Yeah, but it wasn't, and and it started to go out of control with it with the uh, town hall meetings. Yeah, yeah. When suddenly it became okay to be a mob and scream and yell at politicians and follow them home and throw bricks through their window and threaten them personally, and nobody, nobody on the right stood up to them like Lincoln did to a lynch mob in Springfield, or, or like, like LBJ did. You know, this uh-huh. is Bill Maher was on. Uh, Olbermann last night saying, you know, the problem is that when. When the Great Society, when a lot of that stuff passed, 
it went into effect quickly. Yes. You know, within 18 months, people were seeing the benefit of that. Not because four LBJ, years. Right. Not four years out. Right. And all of a sudden, we're seeing ads with this open enrollment in Medicaid care that people say, oh, my gosh, I'm in the donut hole with my meds, and I can get 50% off because of this law. Because of Obamacare. Right, because of Obamacare. Now, right. w- call your congressman and tell him to repeal that donut hole recipients. You know, you're <laughs> – Go for that's, it. Yes, Go that's for it, not going to happen. I was reading. I was actually went back to the website to read what is going to take place when. And it's not until 2014, uh-huh. not 2012, 2014, for crying out loud, that some of this stuff goes yep. into effect. And you just sit there and think, I just – I want – the, the only reason right this second that I want Obama to be in office in 2014 is so that he can say neener, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah, well. But who knows? He may not be because of this failure of communication and this watering down and this delay in the, the lobbyists took over in this process. And, and he's a process guy, and the process right. failed to communicate the good of this bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to move on. Yes, to, to our second next, item. To our se- well, and, and the other final thing about Rachel Maddow's speech is it really was the perfect counterpoint to the whole argument with John Stewart. Yeah. He was a comedian. Let's, uh, you know, John Stewart pissed me off. He's pissed mm-hmm. off a lot of people, but he's a comedian. Yeah. And, and, his, and his anger, as he said before very plainly in the past, is, not, is reserved for the media. Yeah, yeah. He does, you know, politicians lie. They lie all the time. They've lied since the beginning of time. It is the media's job to call them on it and to be the grown-ups because mm-hmm. politicians will lie and get, whenever they can get away with it of every party. They'll shave the truth. They'll inflate. They'll talk you know, in soaring rhetoric or inflammatory rhetoric. And it's the media's job to calm this shit down and tell the truth. And the media has failed. Where Stewart completely blows it is his obsessive need, his you know, his David Brooksian, David Broderian need, David – God, what is it with the fucking Davids? David, um, <laughs> Gregory Need, yeah. Gergen Need, all of them. Their obsessive need to to falsely create this false conflation, this false dichotomy between or false equivalence between the right and the left. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing that really freaks me out about people like John Stewart and and uh, um, Ted Koppel mm-hmm. and, is that is that they they have to on some level know better. And I yeah, think the truth yeah. the truth that underlies this that one half of our electorate are crazy mm-hmm. or a big chunk of that half are fucking crazy is so terrifying to them and so alien to them and so creepy to them mm-hmm. it's like a, you know creationist contemplating a, a 12 billion year old universe is so devastating to their to their worldview they can't think about it the idea that a substantial number of of americans are just fucking nuts it's got to be so frightening to people like John Stewart that he well, can't. Well, yeah, and 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 I've been it. thinking a lot about that too. That a lot of the media people, and unlike me, and I, I admit this freely, mm-hmm. uh, John Stewart was personally affected by nine eleven because he was in yes. New York City. Yep. I was not in New York City on nine eleven, mm-hmm. and actually, I heard about nine eleven on the radio because I didn't have television at that point, so I didn't watch it over and over again. And I think. John Stewart and a lot of the people who were personally affected, I have a lot of sympathy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they need George Bush to be the president he was three days after 9-11, uniting people, getting the Uh whole world behind us, not blaming Muslims. Right. Really enjoining America to be strong, you know, he needed that. We we all did. We needed yes, we that. Did. We that needed strength. a leader, a, a leader who would who would be strong in right. in the face of a you know a horrible attack on America. There's no doubt about that. Yep. And I think he hasn't adjusted to the fact of how, as you have put it so beautifully on your blog, how the right wing of the GOP and the neocons turned that into their personal ATM card uh-huh. to just follow their own agenda that they had planned for years before yep. that. And it's, you know, this is where I think Dennis Miller yeah. snapped. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but this is where you know people jumped onto the right side of the aisle and never came back. Right, right. And I can understand the shock and trauma. I really yeah, can. I absolutely yeah, and can. a lot of sympathy for that, sure. Absolutely. And I can understand wanting revenge and I can understand lots of things, you know, all of the, the welter of emotions that comes with that. However, the fact you eventually have to face is how absolutely callously and calculatedly people like Dick Cheney and the rest of the neoconservatives mm-hmm. who ran the Bush administration absolutely used Everything to do with 9/11. And betrayed America. And yeah. and and, yeah. and hid behind every dead soldier after right. that. Right. Cowered behind it and called everybody who disagreed with them traitors to ram through tax cuts, to ram through their entire fucked up agenda mm-hmm. for eight years. And the idea that a president, an administration, you know, a, a leader of the free world would do that. Yeah. Would do that. Would do it and, and with a smirk and on his torture. face. And, and, oh, and wiretap yeah, yeah. is so completely anti on alien to America that you either had to sort of be swallowed up by it and be turned into a teabagger or run away from it. Somehow it out become, and talk about civility. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and pretend yeah. it never happened. Right. And, you know, right. It's, it's, and again, this is a, a trope we return to over and over again, but I want to, I want to make sure that we're really clear about this. This is the prototypical alcoholic family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when yeah. dad is drunk and crazy and you can't admit on a yeah, really talk basic. About, let's all just get along and let's really yeah, just let's try to work not together happening. and go through and, the tunnel one at a time and everything right. will be fine. And yeah, that's yeah. how you adapt to because to, you can't run away from crazy dad no. and you can't change crazy dad. So your mind just. You're sort of, America. Yeah. So that's just, it. Yeah. So, and that's I think what Stewart is facing yep. is he yep. can't face the truth about what happened to this country. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Let's move on to let's number two. Let's move on two. to number two, which is uh, the November 5th issue of In Bed with Susie Bright. And she's got a lot of this also at her blog, Susie Bright's Journal, which is also not safe for work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said something. Um, if you go to Audible, you can just buy one episode of her show. And I really recommend you do that. She's got a great show on sex politics. It's her show. And it's she. we love her. We've talked about her a lot of times. But I was mm-hmm. astonished by her the show she recorded right after the Tea Party election because she talked about... <laughs> She, first of all, she called the teabaggers the racist, virgin fetishizing, and gay bashing victors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Which, when is yeah. Susie Bright going to tell us what she really thinks? <laughs> uh, but she pointed out that those victors, something we just talked about, are going to grow horns. <laughs> and it's going to be horrible for the GOP to have uh-huh. to deal with these crazy people, you know. Uh-huh. She also pointed out something that I have never heard anyone 
put it this way, and I think it's so important to put it this way. She talked about Sarah Palin and Sharon Angle and Christine O'Donnell and all of these women who are running. Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman, all these women that are running the Tea Party. Uh And, of course, Tina Fey in her her speech, too, which was edited out by PBS, talked about, oh, this is great for women unless you – Need a rape kit, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or unless unless you believe in evolution. But Susie Bright said, you know, people say, oh, this is so great for women that women are running the Tea Party this way. Uh-huh. And she said, no, women in the Tea Party are being given the public relations job that is always given to girls. Susie Bright says it really points out how unimportant candidacy is. Yes. To politics anymore that you can put up as you have called it an avatar yeah you know with great legs and sean hannity in your back pocket and huh? <laughs> you're all and, set and that dovetails perfectly with what rachel Maddow was saying about you know the disconnect between politics and governing mm-hmm. there is no connection you can simply you have to have someone up front mm-hmm. who's pretty and can point to the Jap- the little Japanese car that's going that's right. around and around at the auto show. You could drape herself across. Drape herself the, across you know, it and sell conservatism. And yeah. And people can gape at her and then buy the price. You know, Sarah Palin and the rest of them are a triumph of packaging. Yeah. Um, yeah of so. the complete hollowness. And you, and I think candidacy is almost the right word. I think competence. Yeah. You know, there's no pretense anymore that you have to know anything. Or be able to do the job, yeah. As long as you can drape yourself across the hood of of the new Honda and flash a little tits and and say freedom and liberals and lamestream media and wink and say gotcha, Mm -hmm. that's all you need to do. That's literally all you that that is. And I take no comfort from the fact that a bunch of these people lost in this election. Yeah, I take I take notice of the fact that they won their fucking primaries and they came really close to winning. Exactly, and And, forty seven percent. Right. And next, you know, they get they keep getting closer. They keep yeah. getting, you know, the, the the horde grows nearer, and they keep getting closer and closer to seizing direct political power at every election. The idea that that is not alarming the shit out of people, or that it's not not, not that because it does alarm lots of people who I respect, but that it's not being called as in fairy tales, blue gal. Mm-hmm. You have to call things by their true names. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> was rendered powerless <laughs> only by knowing his true name. Yeah. And if you build a whole society, build a whole media culture around refusing to call things honestly and by their real names, mm-hmm. you develop a, a culture of denial where you can be led around by the nose by Sarah Palin. Yeah. Because yeah. she's in on the game. She knows what the grift is. She knows what the con is. And when you actually – this is the third item on our list, by the way. When you actually call something by its real name, you get called elitist. Yes. And and the third thing is something that our listeners might already be familiar with, but you really ought to go over and read Rolling Stone magazine, The Roundtable that Matt Taibbi held. He was invited to crash the party, I think. <laughs> Uh, Peter D. Hart, David Gergen, they apparently usually do this post-election roundtable. Mm-hmm. And this year, Matt Taibbi also came along, and it really is a party yeah. crashing. It is astonishing to see uh-huh. where Matt Taibbi just says, I don't give a rest behind about corporate America. These CEOs robbed America, and he just goes on. And 
And the pearl clutching that goes on I know. with I know. David Gergen and Peter Hart of, la, 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 okay, you didn't really just say that, did you? You know, we need their jobs and their expertise and their contribution to our economy. No, we don't. <laughs> and the, yeah, the sound of David Gergen filling up his depends. Yeah, it's just. And Matt Taibbi just tells him to his face, no, everything you believe is basically bullshit. Yeah. And I know that you know it's bullshit. Yeah, it's and, really and the, worth reading. It really well, is. The, he was outraged, outraged. Yeah. And one of the things he went after was hagiography or hagiography of the Tea Party yeah. is this sort of rustic, you know, energizing force within the GOP. That was the meme. Was that's right? Common this sense tremendous energy has now right. been thrown into Republican politics by right. this grassroots, amazing, you know. And he goes on and on and. And that that was the first part of it. Matt Taibbi says, I've interviewed these people, and they're crazy. Right. And <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> what is, what is funny what? about that is that then David Gergen said, well, you know, you can't call 40% of the electorate crazy. And he said, yes, I can. <laughs> yes, I can. Well, I, and, he says something about dismissing them. And yeah, and he said, well, you're just dismissing them, and that's no. elitist. And he said, no, I've interviewed these people. I'm not and dismissing they, them. No, I'm not dismissing them at all. They're going to run the Republican Party from now on, it looks like. you know. But they're, but they're crazy. But they're, they have no basis in fact and no interest in actual issues, issues or actual issues, facts. facts or anything. They, they, they vote with their gut, and their gut is filled up with crap that Dick Army put there. Dick Army and Glenn Beck, and yeah. they only want to believe what Glenn Beck tells them. And, and, the, and then, yeah, as you said, go ahead. Well, the, the hilarious you know, Marx Brothers inversion that took place was David Gergen, who has been the sensible, conservative, shadow cabinet member and advisor to like five presidents. Including Clinton, yeah. Including yeah. Clinton, turns to Matt Taibbi, this sort of hippie who crashed my party, and says – why, that's elitist, That's sir. elitist, yes. <laughs> How dare you say something that elitist? And I felt really like perfect. quoting David Letterman. You have dinner with them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. go and have dinner with five hardcore teabaggers in in their uh, Medicare-powered scooters mm-hmm. As they and hear about. them scream Glenn Beck sayings to you. Uh-huh. And we don't need a time. government. We need government off our backs. And David Gergen hasn't sat down with... David he, Gergen... Isn't a reporter. Yeah, he has left. So he has left the, only, the har- his seat at the Harvard think tank for yeah, twenty years. years. Yeah, he gets called into the White House every now and then to tell them that they should, you know, tell every liberal that yeah. they should tack right. And, and David Gergen did say at one point. I mean, he did say the wheels are off the wagon on the White House and on the Bush White House. Yeah, he he has called them out more than once, and I'm well, not. But, but and this is just a bit of sort of um, public television history for our, mm-hmm. the the person who preceded. David, David Brooks was, was David, David Gergen. Yes, that's right. That's right. He was the sensible comb over conservative before right. he went off to advise White Houses. Yep. And his advice is always the same. Well, find, be a centrist. You know, find the center. center. Yeah. Well, the center. Well, the center keeps moving you know, to the right. Well, fuck it. Go to the center anyway. Yeah. yeah. And and the the hilarious part of this interview was that the only person there who was actually a reporter. Who had actually, you know, been embedded in Iraq, for example, or actually right. been in Russia reporting on the Russian mob, or sat down with a bunch of Tea Party and gone to Tea Party conventions and interviewed them. And yes, to them was, was Matt And he's like, "No, I'm telling you firsthand. My direct personal experience is as follows: These people are fucking crazy. Yeah. And, and yes, the they only- vote. And yes, they vote in large numbers. And yes, they won Republican primaries. Yes. And yes, Republicans have every right to be very worried about this mainstream Washingtonian." Should be scared. 
you know, should be scared because they have political power and energy and drive and will make phone calls and write letters and call on your personal home phone and tell you not to attend orientations. But they're crazy. They'll harass you to death. What was it that Wonkat said? Teabaggers already annoying the crap out of their new (laughs) congressmen. And, and, and it's and, true. And that does, but that doesn't fit in with David Gergens or David Brooks or David Gregory's. Who want you know, to look at the polls and look view. at the election results and say, you right. see, it's energizing because 40% of them were, you know. doesn't and, affect them no. at all. And so they, they invent these, these fairy tales about what the common folk are really like. You know, what do the common folk do? And when they do go out in the country, they go looking for things to validate their stupid worldview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they sit up in D.C. and up in Washington and pontificate about shit they don't know anything about. Yeah. And then, of course, the guy comes in and says the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, and yeah. he's And then he's the elitist. He's the elitist, which yeah. is so funny. We want to thank our listeners. Do we have anything else we want to say before we... Um, the last thing is, is a, a warning. To David Gregory. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think David this is important. Gregory. This is really important because Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich, um, uh, <sighs> the, the life cycle – Newt Gingrich, let's be clear. If, you, if you're just passing by on the way to another star system, Newt Gingrich is the, is the failed former Speaker of the House from the mid-90s. Newt Gingrich hasn't held an elective office since Ali McBeal was on television. <laughs> <laughs> Newt Gingrich is a racist – a liar, and a, hate a fraud, yeah. a hate monger, a smear merchant, and has been openly, and as a matter of, of George Wallace style political tactics, and really has innovated that. It yeah. turned it into yeah. a mass production system that drives now drives pretty much the whole Republican Party. He is a moral degenerate and a monster, and and has nothing to say because he had, hasn't held office again since the mid nineties. Newt Gingrich. He, his process is he gloms on to whatever the hell the latest demagogic trend is, sticks his face in front of it to lend it his former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, credibility, makes a lot of money off of it, then says something that's beyond the pale, and they get sent to the penalty box. He's the guy who equated Muslims with Nazis. Yeah, he equated He's Muslims. Muslims with Nazis. Not, not Al-Qaeda, not yeah. terrorists. Muslims. With Muslims. Nazis. He's the guy who lent Dinesh D'Souza's, you know, sick, weird, twisted, yeah. bizarre presentation of Barack Obama as a secret luau, Kenyan, anti-colonialist tribesman. He's the guy who lent his former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, credibility to that bullshit. Right. And right. for that, because anybody who says that shit should be kicked off the air forever, yep. he got sent to the penalty box for about 30 days. And then suddenly he appeared on Meet the Press. Yep. And nobody mentioned a word about it. And because David Gregory is a complete ass-licking douchebag. Well, and Clearly. was that a little ad hominem there? No, it was a, it was a direct op- – because that is David Here, Gregory's job. Here's, Gregory's yeah, job. and here's the deal about that. Let me provide just a little <laughs> bit more background, which mm. is I, I really think the scales have tipped. And I, I tweeted this to David Gregory and with all due respect so he wouldn't block me. Mm-hmm. Newt's appearance on Meet the Press – now says more about David Gregory than it does about Newt Gingrich. Because Newt Gingrich will always come back with no shame for promoting uh, anti-Islamic hate, hate of any kind, mm-hmm. to get to promote 
Newt Gingrich. That's his yep. job is and, to and, promote and Newt his, Gingrich. And his full name is Newt Fundamentally Basically. <laughs> fundamentally, fundamentally, basically. And, we have and, to, oh, he's such a smart guy and so articulate, and, and, and he not. follows the rules. He doesn't do what Matt Taibbi does and ever ever break character. He follows no. the rules of being the elder statesman of the former House Speaker, and never mind about, you know, <laughs> we can't talk about the fact that the what happened radical. to Charlie Rangel this week is right. exactly what happened to Newt Gingrich. It's called right. the House Ethics Committee. Yeah. And you for know? those of you who don't, again... Uh, I've I've disliked Newt Gingrich since he was only cheating on his first wife. Yeah, yeah. And you know, he's a serial adulterer. He's he's every bad thing you can imagine um, about a politician and a public figure. And for reasons that passeth all understanding, it does literally does not matter how low he sinks or how vicious his attacks are or how monstrous his rhetoric is. Um, you know, he's the socialist. This is the most radical socialist, communist, fascist government in the United States right, history. Right, the right. death machine, the the Obama socialist death machine. That's, that, and he says crap like this. And then and he's then, given a seat on Meet the Press. Now, having and, a permanent seat on Fox doesn't shock no, me. I mean, because Fox is, you know, Fox is the Republican Party's Pravda, mm-hmm, and everyone mm-hmm, knows it. Yeah. But putting you on Meet the Press lends David Gregory and Meet the Presses and the public and the the, the serious media's credibility. To Newt Gingrich, so he can in turn loan it to Pam Atlas right. and her exactly. crazy Nazi exactly. wing nut point of yep. view. And I wouldn't have a problem with him having Newt Gingrich on the air as long as he asked him, so Newt, what about your Nazi comments? Right. But David Gregory never asks people. Well, and even so just, you know, he was asked, Newt Gingrich was asked to comment on Charlie Rangel. On Fox and was never brought up, you know, you've been through this. That was never even, you know, inserted into the conversation when it was completely germane. Tell us what you know about the House Ethics Committee since you've been before them. You know, that's a completely germane question. That doesn't have to be an attack. You can side with Newt Gingrich and say you've you've been up against false attacks from the House. But it wasn't even brought up. It wasn't even brought up. And And that kind of complicity... Well, it's, you know, it's, you at some point, it from Fox, but it says a lot about David Gregory that he's well, and you going start, that route. You start reverse engineering this, and you wonder: it's so conspicuous. Yeah, it's so yeah. unbelievably conspicuous that that David Gregory is so such a coward, such a fake loser haircut of a journalist that he will not ask his well, guests. Well, and who's paying for it? Yeah. To the show, the one or two questions that any other real journalist, that a real reporter, that Matt yeah. Taibbi would ask him immediately. Yeah. That he yeah. conspicuously avoids offending Newt yeah. so he can have yeah. Newt back on. And mind you, this was the same show where John McCain made his 49th appearance. Well, on and, and Newt Gingrich was the most appearing. John McCain is the most appearing in history on Meet the Press. Uh-huh. Newt Gingrich was the most popular guest on Meet the Press for all of 2009. He was yeah. on, you know, every other week. Yep. And yep. this is what this is our media. This is our and media. This is why, and this, this is, is why, why we are elitists. <laughs> <laughs> because this we don't perceive this as acceptable. This no. is the view from liberal elitist Swine Mountain is this shit has got to go. Yeah. This has got to go. This is so polluted and so debased and so dishonest. And, and everybody knows it. Yeah. That's the thing. Everyone knows that David Gregory is a fucking joke. That Meet the Press is a puppet show. That the Sunday morning talk shows are a puppet show. Everybody knows it. And yet we all pretend. Uh, the, well, the and people they demean who, themselves by, again, they're saying more about themselves yes. by having him on. 
than they are about Newt Gingrich. It's not – they're doing this to themselves, and, making themselves yeah. a puppet show and a joke by doing this. So, And know. going back to the Rachel Maddow thing, you know, this is good for David Gregory's ratings, but it's right. terrible for American culture and politics. Exactly. And that's why we need a real media with things like the professional left <laughs> leading you. the way, Blue Gal. Leading oh, and next week is our letters show. There's still yep. time to write in. Our email address is proleftpodcast at gmail.com. We have a stack of letters that we're going through now to read your letters on the air. We so appreciate your support in that regard. We have a website where you can listen to past episodes for free. That website is professionalleft.blogspot.com. At that website, there is also an opportunity for you to drop five bucks in the hat. And we want to thank those of you who have done that. Uh, if you like this show and you think that you want to become the George Soros, <laughs> you want to tell George Soros to suck it. Because we're still waiting for his five bucks, let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah. uh, long if, wait. Long wait. If you want to be the George Soros of left-wing media, it only costs five bucks. Five bucks. <laughs> Five bucks. And then you're off the hook. You're off. If you've already given us five bucks, you're off the hook. But yeah, you go to heaven. You'll go to heaven. I don't know about that. I don't know if I can promise that. Selling professional left indulgences. That's not good. That's not fair. That's not fair. The professionalleft.blogspot.com. There is Mm -hmm. a PayPal button where you have an opportunity to help keep us going. If you like this show, I think I think you and I have made a commitment to keep going through the middle of next summer. Is that, well, is that kind until, of what we done? Until, well, our, our, our informal commitment is until this stops being fun. Yeah, yeah. And our formal commitment is to keep it going through uh, for a year. Yeah, well, and through, that's February. Through, yeah. Through so. next summer, through spring or summer, and then we'll see where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So if you like it and you want to give us a vote of confidence, the way to do that is to contribute five bucks to our burgeoning media empire is what Drift Class calls it. Our award-ready podcast. Our award-ready. We're, we're <laughs> award-ready. Oh. Uh, we are also on iTunes, and we love our iTunes listeners. You guys are great. It's so wonderful to see the number of listens on a Friday afternoon before before it's been posted anywhere, before we've even gotten it up at our blogs, to see those people who are sitting at iTunes waiting for it to come up. Oh, there it is. I've been grabbing it. Thank you so much for that. If you are listening on iTunes, we would deeply appreciate it if you would rate and review the show. Uh-huh. And I think that's it. You've got them covered. Nice job. So how's the Internet gerbil doing there, Blue Gal? The Internet okay. gerbil is sitting in her liberal elitist swine wheel going round and round. <laughs> podcast is produced under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2010, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. I'm not being very articulate here, I apologize. And it'll sound so good in the edit. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the DJ to fix it in the mix. In the mix. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> once this is auto-tuned, it's going to sound Oh, it's awesome. going to sound awesome once it's auto-tuned. Hey, Blue Gal, how you doing? <laughs>